0: Welcome to message number six in our series. What's the name of this series? Everyone together, it's called Life Coach. That's right. We're in the book of 2 Timothy. This is the sixth mentoring lesson you are receiving from your mentor. What is the name of your mentor? Who is his name? Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he records all his mentoring advice in the book of 2 Timothy originally... This message was given to Timothy, but everything in the book is applicable for our lives. And this morning, the mentoring lesson is summed up with these words, serve like a soldier, athlete and farmer. Can we repeat that after me all together? Let's do it. One, two, three. Serve like a soldier, athlete and farmer. When I was a kid, I grew up in San Ramon up through the seventh grade. And my favorite sport to play with my friends there in San Ramon growing up as a kid was without question football, and I mean tackle football. And what was amazing is that down the street, not far away, lived Kenny Stabler. That's right, number 12, the Snake, Oakland Raiders, and arguably the greatest you know, quarterback for me, Last, at least then, that there was. And I remember just as a kid, I'd get my friends, we'd grab a football, and we'd literally go in front of his house, and we'd just look at his house and go, Kenny Stabler lives there. And we would just dream about playing football like Kenny Stabler. At that same time in my life, when I was in the fifth grade, I also wanted to be like the coolest guy on TV, and, of course, that was Steve Austin, the $6 million bionic man. I mean, without question, this is the guy every guy wanted to be like. One time, literally, I got on top of our roof, and I jumped off our roof thinking, I was the six million dollar man. I quickly learned I was not the six million dollar man. I was not even a six dollar man. Today, when I golf, I'll often picture myself as Adam Scott. Adam Scott, I think, has the most amazing swing, technically, in golf today. What's the point I'm trying to make? Everybody needs an example to follow. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are here. Everyone, we need a hero to imitate, someone to follow. And you see, Paul, as your mentor, knew this about you. Paul knew this about Timothy. Timothy was a younger man. And Paul knew that Timothy needed someone to follow in ministry. And you know what all of us have in common this morning? All of us are called to serve the Lord. And here's the question. How can we serve the Lord better? And the answer is by following the examples of certain ones that Paul gives us, our mentor, that will inspire us in our service because we all need examples. There are three examples that we're going to look at this morning, three categories of people. We're going to take them one at a time because our mentor, Paul, gives them to us one at a time. 2 Timothy, you should be there, chapter 2, verses 3 to 7. Let's read the Scripture first, starting in verse 3. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all this so the first example that we should follow in serving the Lord we should serve the Lord like a soldier let me ask you a question how many of you served our country in any branch of the military just raise your hand if you served our country let's give these people a round of applause thank you What Paul is saying is this, he's, the way that you served as a soldier, so should you serve the Lord. Paul holds up the soldier as an example for us to imitate. And Paul uses this example, this metaphor of a soldier, all through his epistles. And of course, in Paul's mind, he'd be thinking about the Roman soldier. But we see in the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 9, 7, it's on your outlines, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God. Speaking about, you know, the Roman soldier and the armor, and he's likening this to, you know, a Christian. Philippians 2:25, I sent back to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow soldier. Why does Paul use the example of a soldier as an example for a Christian? Because... Jesus is our commanding officer, and, and we're at war, so to speak. The Christian life is a battle against the forces of darkness. It's a challenge. It's difficult. It's not a cakewalk. And some of you are experiencing that very battle this very week. I mean, Paul said in Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against about spiritual principalities of darkness. I mean, it's an invisible battle. Sometimes it becomes visible, but there is a battle. And, and if you're going to do ministry and you're going to be a good minister, there's times you need to minister like a soldier. Now, I want to share with you from this scripture that Paul gives us, five ways we should serve the Lord as a soldier. And the first is this. We should endure hardships. Verse 3, endure hardships with us like a good soldier. I mean, you think of the hardships The ill-treatment that soldiers receive, I mean, just with our experience, with the movies we've seen, you you think about Saving Private Ryan, a movie like that, and what these men and women, mostly men back then in that movie, uh, endured, it's absolutely incredible. The books I've read, I've read so many books on the Navy SEALs. And you, you read about Hell Week and what these guys go through, it's absolutely incredible. In our Christian life and ministry, we need to expect and endure all sorts of hardships. You think of the hardships that your Christian brothers and sisters are enduring in places like Syria right now, and Iraq, for example, Mosul, Iraq. I want to show you a little something here right now, this picture. Um, This here in Mosul, ISIS painted that, which is the Arabic word for N, N, And that letter N represents Nazarene, Christian. And ISIS spray-painted that sign on the homes of Christians all throughout Mosul. Tagged the homes. The message with that sign on a home was, you have three choices. Convert to Islam, move, or we will kill you. You talk about the hardship that your brothers and sisters... There are millions of Christians that have been displaced in Syria and Iraq. It's incredible the difficulty that they're facing with ISIS. And that's just one wicked regime that's trying to wipe out humanity or anyone that will not turn to their ideology. You know, I've seen so many Christians because of what someone said or did or this or that, They just give up. They quit the church, they quit serving God. They get their feathers ruffled. And I look at these Christians in Iraq and I'm like, what an example. You talk about soldiering on. There's times I wanna say to Christians, would you just man up? Would you woman up? Would you soldier up? Yes, the Christian life is not easy, it's a battle. And Paul is saying, Timothy, if you wanna be successful as a minister, you gotta be like a soldier sometimes. I don't know if you remember Gomer Pyle. I barely remember anything about Gomer Pyle, except I remember he always used to say, "Go golly, right? Did he say that? But I remember if there's, and I might be wrong about this, but I remember he was always teased, but he always just had this amazing attitude of just persevering. I mean, the guy was a great soldier from that standpoint. And some of us, you know, we just, hey, you got to man up in the Christian life. It's not easy. You want to serve God? you're going to face all sorts of hardships. Soldier up. This is what Paul is saying. Second way, we need to serve like a soldier. We should be a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's what verse 3 says. And there are good, bad, and in the middle of the line kind of or road soldiers. Our reputation should be that of a good soldier. Mm. Third way, we should serve like a soldier. We should be ever serving ever serving, because verse 4 says, no one's serving as a soldier. It's implied there that a Christian should be serving. If we aren't serving, we need to enlist. We need to be activated. You don't want to go AWOL. You don't want to be missing an action as a Christian. So let me just ask you a question. Where are you serving? Are you involved in the battle? Where is your post? Where is your ministry as a Christian? Hey, soldiers serve. They're engaged. So I'm just asking you, where is your area of engagement? You're not just coming to like three crosses just receive, are you? That's not a soldier. You should receive, like right now, the teaching of God's word, but you should receive it to then go out and serve somewhere that you're giving, you're investing you're serving the Lord in an area of ministry. Fourth way, we should act like a soldier. We should prioritize, prioritize. Verse 4 says, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. Gets involved, that phrase is the Greek word implakomai, and it literally means to become entangled or intertwined with civilian affairs. The idea here that Paul is communicating is there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the things of this life, civilian affairs things, unless they entangle you, unless they keep you from the real purpose of your life, which is to be a soldier and to serve the Lord in his army. Now, a real sad verse in Second Timothy, and we're going to look at this later in detail, but in 2 Timothy 4.10, it says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Demas. Here's a guy, you see, he started out serving the Lord. And I meet a lot of Christians like this. Come to Christ, they get all excited. Maybe come through our seminars, start serving the Lord. But then guess what happens? Like Demas, Demas was a guy who served the Lord. But then, because he loved the world, he deserted Paul. He got entangled in the things of this world. Beware of becoming entangled in the things of this world, to the point where it takes you away from what should be your number one priority as a, in life as a soldier, which is to serve the Lord in his army. And by the way, his army is the church of Jesus Christ. That's why I never shy away from challenging and encouraging Christians to give your life to service You need to be involved in ministry. You will never regret serving the Lord. Serve Him. Make that a priority of your life. Number five, we should please our commanding officer. Again, there in verse four, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Wow. Our goal in life as a soldier is to, to please Jesus. That should be the goal of our life. And this is something I have to remind myself of all the time. Mark, it's your goal in life to be the Lord's soldier, to not live your life to please yourself or to please others, but to please Jesus Christ. And you need to pray for us preachers because you want to know what the greatest temptation is as a preacher and especially for me, I'm going to be honest with you, it's to please you. I can tell stories that can wow a crowd. I can be so humorous. I, I can do that on purpose. But God has had to talk to me about that. Because I am called to please Jesus Christ with my preaching, not you, not even me. He owns me. And guess what? I'm called to march to His orders to say what He's called me to say. And I think there are ways. I'm just. I don't know. Every preacher has to answer for himself. Who's your message for? Who do you prepare your sermons for? I prepare my sermons. I pray for Jesus Christ. He's an audience of one, and you just happen to be in the way. Are there times I slip? Yeah. I mean, it's it's an awesome thing to preach. It's a scary thing. I need your prayers. I'll tell you right now. I don't care what you're doing in ministry, what your call is in ministry, whether you're an usher, a greeter, Stephen minister, whatever you are, you are called to please Jesus Christ. Not yourself. Not someone else. Wow. See, and Paul, he's lifting up a soldier as an example for us to follow. You know, on the frigid night of February 3rd, 1943, The overcrowded Allied ship, U.S. Dorchester, picture of it right here, was carrying 902 servicemen and it plowed through the dark waters near Greenland. At 1 a.m., a Nazi submarine fired a torpedo into the ship, killing many in the explosion and trapped others in the deck below. It sank in 27 minutes. The two escort ships were able to rescue only 231 survivors. In the chaos of the fire and the smoke and the oil, four chaplains calmed the sailors and distributed life jackets. When there were no more life jackets, the four chaplains ripped off their own life jackets and placed them on four young men. As the ship went down, survivors floating on rafts could see the four chaplains linking arms and bracing themselves on the slanting deck. They bowed their heads in prayer and sank to their icy icy deaths. Serve the Lord like, like someone absolutely committed as a soldier. Those four chaplains were soldiers. They did what God called them to do. Every Christian needs examples who inspire. And you see, Paul right now is lifting up for Timothy. He's trying to sear into Timothy's mind The image of a soldier, that is how you're called to serve Jesus Christ. Enduring hardship, being a good soldier, serving, prioritizing, not letting the world entangle you, and pleasing our commanding officer. I'd like you to talk about that at your tables. Here's your discussion question. What most impresses you about serving the Lord like a soldier? Go ahead and talk about that. Okay, Paul is giving us three examples to follow in serving the Lord. The first is a soldier. The second is this. We should serve the Lord like an athlete. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you ever, over the course of your life, played on a team, an athletic event, a soccer team, football, baseball, badminton? does not, twid- twiddly winks, you know, whatever, you know? Now watch this. The way that you competed, you know, as an athlete, so should you serve the Lord. And that's what Paul's getting at here. Paul holds up the life of an athlete as an example for us to follow. When I was a senior in high school, I mean, the, the greatest team I ever played on was a baseball team. We went 18-0. It was incredible. And, and the way that we served, so to speak, on that team is how we are called, as Christians, to serve in ministry, like an athlete. And Paul gives us two ways we should serve the Lord as an athlete. Look if you were at verse 5, look what Paul says, he says, no one one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs, and then look right on to verse 5, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Now, a couple ways that we're called to serve the Lord in ministry like an athlete. Number one, we should compete. We should compete. Now, Paul would have had in mind right here the competitors who enrolled in the Olympic or Ithmian Games, which were big back in Paul's time and are big in our lives as well. But watch this. You may never uh, compete as an Olympian athlete, Okay. But in God's God's eyes, when you serve in ministry, that has Olympic status. And the application is this. We should compete. We should serve. We should join a ministry team. We should engage. We should be part of ministry. Refuse to sit on the sidelines. Be part of a team. Be a competitor in the greatest thing you can do with your, your life, which is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in ministry. The second thing, beyond the fact that you should compete, is Paul says we should compete according to the rules. Now, Paul has in mind, again, a Greek athlete here. And in the Greek games, which were in Paul's mind, the judges were absolutely strict about the rules, and there were three rules in particular. Number one, each competitor had to be a citizen of his nation with a good reputation. Second each competitor had to follow a specific preparation of 10 months of training and then swear they fulfilled that training before a statue of Zeus. And if an athlete was found defective in the preparation, he was literally disqualified from the competition. And the last rule, if after an athlete competed and let's say they won and then they were have found to have broken some rule they would be disqualified. They would lose the crown, which was a laurel wreath that they were running for or, you know, competing for. The point is this. Just as an athlete must compete and engage according to the rules in a given competition to win the prize, so should we as God's servants compete according to the rules. So, I want to give you six athletic rules to follow for any Christian ministry opportunity. These are six guidelines, athletic guidelines, that will help any Christian compete in any ministry or on any ministry team and will help their team win. And winning in ministry ultimately means receiving the wreath of Jesus' affirmation, of hearing him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if you are serving on a ministry team, These are six things like an athlete that should describe how you serve. Number one is this. Rule number one, practice, practice. I mean, if you want to win at any sport, it requires practice. And probably right now in all athleticism around the world, there's no one that is practicing more diligently than Steph Curry. Thousands of people flock into stadiums to watch him practice just to practice. Have you seen his regiment of what he does? It's absolutely mind-boggling to see how he practices. And this is before, I don't know if you've seen the documentary of what he does off court. I mean, he will have strobe lights blinding him, bouncing balls, trying to get rid of every distraction. It's crazy what the guy's doing. It's total commitment as an athlete to his sport it takes practice. Let me tell you, do you just show up to ministry? Or do you like, I want to get my ministry down. I want to know this thing inside and out. It's the same thing for us as Christians. 1 Timothy 4, 7, 8 says, train yourself to be godly. It takes training. If you just show up, no training to serve the Lord, you're not going to have much of a ministry. Just as athlete Steph Curry practices show we should practice for our area of ministry. I don't know what that means for you. You've got to figure it out. But this is the commitment that ministry demands. We're serving Jesus Christ. Second is attitude. If you want to win in any sport, it requires the right attitude. And it's insane. I mean, there is no one, you know, that's just doing great in athletics that doesn't have a great attitude toward that. And it's the same thing in our Christian ministry, even Philippians 2.5. Your attitude should be that, the same as that of Christ Jesus. Mother Teresa was once asked, don't you get discouraged? I mean, you're called to reach all these people on the streets of Kolkata, and look how few you're reaching. And, you know, she said, God's not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. That's incredible attitude. Wow. Rule number three is Listen. If you want to win in any sport, it will require listening to your coach and to fellow players. And it's the same thing in our Christian ministry, James 119. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Just as an athlete listens to their coach and other players, so should we listen to Jesus and other team members. Rule number four is position. If you want to win in any sport, it requires knowing your position and playing your position. I mean, if Steph Curry as a guard tried to play center and post up, it's just not going to work. Not going to work. It's the same for us in ministry. Do you know your position? Are you playing your position, your role? 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Whatever gift you have received, you should use that to serve others. If you have the gift of teaching, you should be teaching. If you have the gift of administration, you should be administrating. If you you have the gift of singing, you should be singing in the choir. If you don't have the gift of singing, don't sing in the choir. (laughs) Know your position if you want to be a blessing to that team and to us. I'm just kind of having fun with you, but it's not rocket science. Now, here's the thing. Watch this. A lot of Christians don't know what they're good at. You don't even know your spiritual gift. You need to come through our seminars. <laughs> what can I say? You need to know your position. How can you serve God if you don't know where you should serve? Are you just going to continue to limp through life? Are you going to, like, become an athlete? Become a soldier. Know where you're called to post up. Hmm. Uh, rule number five, Regulations. If you want to win in any sport, it will require following the regulations or you can be disqualified. In the 2004 Olympics, Matt Emmons, there's a picture of him right here, he competed in this three-position event in which participants shoot from their stomachs, their knees, and their feet. You probably have seen this. And they shoot at a target 50 meters away. And going into his final shot, Emmons had the gold totally locked up. All he needed was one mediocre score for the gold. And instead, he shot at the wrong target, one lane away, which no one ever does. It's just an absolute fluke. And he got no score at all. Just as an athlete must follow the rules, so should we as Christians follow the rule, rule book. You know, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And as a Christian, you want to follow this book. It will lead you to be a competitor in the greatest thing you can do in your life, which is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Rule number six for an athlete is best effort. If you want to win in any sport, it will require giving your best effort. I mean, you look especially at Olympic athletes, oh, man. And that's who Paul had in mind. You talk about giving their best effort a preparation and commitment. Wow. And, And this is who Paul is lifting up for us as an example for us to follow in ministry. And Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, all of us here, every single one of us are called to serve. All of us need examples. We need someone to aspire after. And Paul is saying... That's a soldier, and it's also an athlete. We should serve the Lord like an athlete. We should compete. You should be competing just like an athlete in ministry and compete according to the rules. What are the rules you follow? Practice, right attitude, listening, position, knowing it, following the rules, giving your best effort. Let's talk about this. What most impacts you about serving the Lord as an athlete, as you just heard that? Take a moment to talk about that. Okay, three examples. This is what Paul's given us this morning. Three examples to imitate. Three examples to model our life of ministry after. The soldier, the athlete, and finally, we should serve the Lord like a farmer. Farmer. So let me ask you a question. During the course of your life, have you ever, anyone here, worked as a farmer, either part-time or full-time? Look at this, okay? Yeah. Now watch this. The way you worked as a farmer, so should you work or so should you serve the Lord. Paul lifts up a farmer, a very common image that Timothy could have connected Timothy connected with all this, soldier, athlete, farmer. He saw them around him, and Paul is just making a great point by finding the great attributes in each of these three examples and bringing them to the forefront and saying, this is a great example of how you should serve the farmer. Two ways to serve the Lord like a farmer that we see there in in verse 6. The hardworking farmer. Should be the first to receive a share of the crops. The hardworking farmers. First of all, we should be hardworking. You know, I grew up uh, on a ranch from eighth grade on. We actually moved there my the summer of my seventh grade year, and uh, on a ranch, a ninety acre ranch on Crow Canyon Road, that you know primarily has cattle and animals and livestock. But I promise you. It requires a lot of hard work. Getting up very early, fencing, being a shepherd to sheep, uh, milking goats every morning. I mean, my forearms were amazing. My brother and I would go down, we'd milk the goats. We used to call it, we would have utter wars. And I would just soak my brother Todd, just... It was great. We had so much fun, you know, milking and, you know, just... But it was hard work. It's hard work. A farmer, that's all about agriculture. It's about crops and irrigation and weeding and cultivating and planting and harvesting. And maybe you're farming vegetables or fruit or wheat or whatever it is you're farming. But I, I have to tell you, there's times I'm driving, like, to Disneyland or going... And are you going through these farms and you see all these people out there working. They are some of the hardest working people on the planet, our farmers. And this is who Paul is lifting up for us to saying, this is your benchmark for ministry. Hard working. I'm just gonna ask you a question. Does your ministry, is it characterized by hard working? For some of us, We need to really grow in this area because we don't even have a ministry. We've been coming to church. We come to church, and we receive, we receive, we receive. And you're not giving your life away, and you're missing half of your Christian life. I mean, yes, there is a receiving, but there should be a giving. And if if there's not a balance of that, you are out of balance. You need both. The Bible speaks of both. And watch this. When you do give yourself to ministry, it's called to be hard-working. And the Greek word is kopio. It literally means diligent work, laborious work, toil, to the point of exhaustion. That's the word that Paul's using in this hard-working phrase. And I know we know this in our hearts, but if there's any area in our life that should receive Hard work, I mean labor, it should be the ministry for which God has called us to serve Him. Ministry should be characterized by hard, rigorous labor at times to the point of exhaustion. And there's times I do my ministry, there's seasons that your ministry goes in. Some of you have traveled with me, especially when we go overseas, and it's 20 hours a day sometimes. Pouring your life out, that, that, you know, we only have one life to live. Why spend it watching TV and sleeping when you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ and pour your life out? It's a beautiful thing. Now, this is what I want to do. I want to commend so many of you in this room right now because homebuilders is really the core in many ways of Three Crosses Church. Many of you come here to get your feeding because you are flat out so committed to ministry. I'm our pastor of ministry development. You know that. And you are find equipping here to then go out and serve the Lord. And I know many of you intimately. And you need to understand that as a pastor, you motivate me. You, 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 you are an example to me because this is many of you your lives. You work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. There's times I call you guys up because I'm thinking about you and praying for you. And I get you on the phone and you're just coming home from work and it's 6 30 at night. And then you come here on weekends and you flat out pour your life out in service. And I just want to like commend you. I'm paid to be good and you're just good for nothing. Are you following me? I mean, you're an example to me. You just are. I could go around. I could literally take an hour right now go around this room and talk to each of you about you and how you have spoken to me about your life and the ministry you're living, and it is so inspirational. Guess what? You are living out an example of a farmer who's flat-out hardworking, and it's a beautiful thing for me to see, and I just want to encourage you as a pastor to keep on living that way. Watch this. You will never regret the the sweat and the toil and the hard labor you're given to Jesus Christ. You'll never regret it in your entire life. It's what you're created to do. And for some of us who don't have a ministry, we gotta wake up. Hear this from the Lord. The Lord is speaking to you. You need to get involved in the game like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer. You need to have a ministry that you're giving your life to. That's critical. Yes, you need to make a living. Some of you are retired. And guess what? You don't retire from the Lord's work, amen? Amen. You continue to serve like a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And if you're kind of gone on coast, you need to to hear God's word. Because I'm telling you, you look at the Apostle Paul, he's in a prison. He's about ready to have his head cut off by Nero, and he's just flat out pouring his life out, writing all these epistles, he doesn't give up till the very end, and we see the same thing with Jesus, Jesus didn't give up until he's on the cross, and he said, he didn't even give up then, he just said, it is finished, and then he rose from the grave, and he kept on serving for 40 days, and then he went into heaven, and one day I'm going to do a series on how Jesus is working for you in heaven, some of us don't realize there are at least six things that Jesus does for us still on earth from heaven. Seated at the, right, at the right hand of God on his throne. He's still ministering. Hmm. We should be hardworking. Secondly, we should enjoy the fruit of our labor. And I see that uh, where Paul talks about in verse 6. He says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Yeah, the ministry can be labor intensive. But watch this. If you're a farmer, who, for example, who farms apples... There should be times you enjoy some of those apples. Are you following me? So what does this mean? It means a couple things here. The ministry is hard work, but it should be rewarding. And there is incredible joy in serving the Lord. And when you're in the right area serving the Lord where God's called you, there is a lot of joy. People who don't have a lot of joy when they're serving the Lord, typically 99%, you're just in the wrong area find the right area, and the joy will absolutely just come exploding from your life. But, you know, Psalm 126, verse 5, those who sow with tears, you know, in ministry will reap with songs of joy. There is, yes, hard sowing, but then there's joy. And probably for me, there's no greater joy than when I'm on the mission field, literally giving my life 18 hours a day, absolutely spent, but then I'm with nationals, I'm with Just people, and it's just, oh, man. And also, when I'm with you on a Sunday, this is just my joy. When I can come later to here today in Seminar 201 and spend four hours pouring my life into those that are going to show up to the seminar today. This is my ministry. What's yours? I have great joy in doing these things. And guess what? There's joy for you also. Um. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I mean, the great joy is knowing one day we're going to see Jesus and Him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, amazing. But the second thing Paul is really getting at here is that those who give their life in ministry, like full time in ministry, should be remunerated from the ministry where they serve. You should enjoy the fruit of your labor. Paul had to talk about this in all the churches where the church was just emerging and they were like struggling. How do we pay? Do we pay pastors all this? And, you know, Paul talked about it in even 1 Corinthians 9 14. I've given you the verse. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And it's an amazing thing to me. I just go, Are you kidding me? I get paid to do this. And it is an incredible blessing to give myself fully to the ministry and actually to be paid. That's amazing. So all of us need inspirational examples to follow, and Paul lifts up the farmer as an example that should inspire us. We should be hardworking like a farmer is hardworking, and then there should be joy in enjoying the fruit of our labor. Talk about that at your tables. What most moves you about serving the Lord as a farmer? Go ahead and talk about that. All right, once again, I have great, astounding, amazing news for you, absolutely incredible news. You have a mentor. You have a life coach. You're not going through life alone. This book called Second Timothy was written for Timothy, but also written for you because Paul is wanting to mentor you, and he's given you lesson number six this morning, and he's saying this, serve, serve like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer. That is worth easily $1,000. Easily. Because guess what? Some of us, we just don't know what our priorities should be for life. We're just going through life, and we're just not, God, speak to me. He is this morning. He's speaking. He's saying, serve. Serve. And this is how you serve. Hmm. Now, let me give you two ways To apply Paul's mentoring advice about serving the Lord like a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And it's there in verse 7. Paul says, reflect on what I am saying. Number one, we should reflect on what Paul is saying. You know, to reflect, you need time. You need to get away and you need to think. And we're so quick to come in and, you know, hear the word and then run out. But you need to take this outline and you need to get away and you need to reflect. You need to think and reflect about your life. Reflect intensely on what it means to serve the Lord like a soldier and how that should look in your life. Ponder deeply what it means to serve the Lord like an athlete and what that means for your life. Think carefully what it means to serve the Lord like a farmer and what that means for your life. And the second, we should trust the Lord to give us insight because that's what Paul says reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will, not might, will give you insight into all of this. We should trust the Lord to give us insight. Insight is wisdom, wisdom is knowing how to order your life. And for some of us, we came here, maybe even praying, Lord, what do you want me to do in my life? And the Lord is saying, reflect on this. And I will give you insight. It's like the light bulb, you know, a moment. Bing, this light bulb. All of a sudden, it shines light on our life. And the Lord wants to do that for you this morning. But in order to get there, you've got to reflect. And for some of us, it's been way too long since we've actually gotten alone with the Lord and just reflected on his word and said, okay, Lord, I'm going to reflect. And then all of a sudden, the Lord will give you insight into the application for how this should be lived out in your own life. This message is for you. It's not for your neighbor. It's not for your husband. It's not for your wife. God is speaking to all of us, you this morning. And the only way it's going to do something really cool is if you reflect and you listen and you wait for the light bulb moment, bing, God illuminates and you say, I get it now. I'm going to move into that area of ministry. I'm going to begin serving this way or that way. I'm going to be, stop being such a wimp. I'm going to stop my life being all entangled in the things of this world. I don't know what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you, but if you're willing to reflect, he'll be willing to illuminate and show you. And that's pretty special. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you that you've given us these concrete examples that we should follow in how we're called to serve you in ministry, whatever that ministry might be. We're to serve you like a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. We all need examples. Paul knew that, and he gave us three this morning. Help us, Lord, I pray to reflect on what you're saying, and maybe we need to take this into some quiet time with you later. And then, Lord, we just pray that you would grant us that insight about our own life and ministry that you want us to receive today. Thank you that you're willing to provide that for us, and I pray that you would do that for each and every one. Thank you, God, for this amazing group of my brothers and sisters. It's so special to be together, and thank you for your presence. In Christ's name we pray.